Hey, Toy Family, welcome to another edition of the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm George Gaspar. And no Teresa this week. She's actually in Florida. She's getting some much-needed family and beach time in. So, George, while she's away, we, we can talk all the blood and guts that we want. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So, welcome to the Marsham Blood and Guts Hour. I like it. Let's see if we can go the entire hour without saying the word cute. You think we can do it? Uh, yeah, I think that everything we're going to talk about is not going to be that. No, cute and Ryniac are the two words that have probably been on every episode for the past two years. So if one of us says those words, maybe we should put like $5 in the pot or something like that. <laughs> Sounds good. And that goes for you too, guest. I know that you're listening in. So George, we have a guest. He's been on a couple times before, but I don't think you were on with him actually, but we did a collector's edition with him and he's one of my favorite people to talk with. He's everyone's favorite mule. So let's welcome back Scott Kettler. Welcome back, Scott. Thanks for having me back on. Number three, uh, start getting your, uh, the five-timer vest uh, pressed for me. Okay, we'll get you a patch made, maybe. There we go. Get you a pin. Let's do a pin. It's easier. We should. Do, we really should do that. Just that would a, be just pretty. A, a five-timer pin. Do we have to order a hundred pins if we just want to give someone one? Eh, let's order like twenty-five. We'll eventually have that many people. Yeah, you've okay. got like, you've got a few. I mean, you probably already have a few that have hit the five. Oh yeah, no, we definitely do. There's probably at least adorables. Dadadub. Yeah. What's his name from Super Seven? Chris Pachong, probably, maybe Ryniak. I don't. Oh, five oh, bucks in the pot! Oh, Shit! What did we? How far did we get? Like, we didn't even get like um, two minutes in. Damn it! Ah, <laughs> oh, I blew that one. Might as well have just said Ryniak is cute. <laughs> Before we get going, I want to apologize to our listeners real quick because I know we've been having a tough go at it this summer. We've been pretty sporadic with our releases, and, and that's because it's the summertime. We've all been doing a lot of traveling. I moved to Washington State. Teresa's in Florida, and she got sick, and then George has been out of the country, and he just went to New Jersey. So we've, um, we haven't been as good about trying to be weekly or bi-weekly as we normally have been, so we're going to try to get back on track for you. But um, also, I also want to like, bounce this off you, too. I feel like Designer Toy News, as of late, has been kind of confusing and tough to to piece together. And I don't know if it's just because it, the news is coming faster and just it's all over the place. So it's on IG stories and feeds and Facebook groups. You know, I remember just going to a blog and being able to feel like I can stay on top of things. And that's not the times anymore. Now it's all over the place. And so do you guys sort of feel that staying on top of designer toy uh, current events is more difficult than ever? Yeah, I get that vibe i think i'm slowly a little more detached than i used to be but maybe it's just like what you said it's like you go to a blog you kind of feel like you're getting some information but then you start seeing like random people talking about it on social media somewhere and you're like where was that information right like unless you are like tuned into every single artist you're not like it becomes kind of an impossible task to know what's going on Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one because one reason we started this show is to sort of talk about the biggest current events that happen in designer toys and we were just discuss them. But I feel like it's so hard to stay on top of it all because it's coming from so many different directions and so many places. And it really is like that's one reason I want to lean on our Facebook group and and people to help 
you know, direct us to, towards things because I can't stay on top of it all and, and be everywhere and see everything. So if you do see something out there, please like shoot us something that you think would be a great topic for the week and send us some links so we can be more knowledgeable on it and talk on it. But um, like, so this week, there's two big drops this week that I think we should talk about. And I'm really not that knowledgeable and well-versed in them because they're, it's a lot of information to soak in and I don't know that much about them. So maybe that's something we should probably start out with first. Okay. So, Scott, one reason I wanted to have you come on, because last time you were on, you were talking about how you used to collect 3A. And then this week we learned that it seems like Ashley Wood is leaving 3-0, his company within 3-0, or his... Explain this to me. So 3-0 is the the master company, right? And then 3A Mm -hmm. was like a subsidiary company that only produced Ashley Wood toys? Yeah, I guess I don't know how boring to make this, um, but uh, three. So, like the the backstories three zero, which for those that don't know is spelled out. If you want to look it up, that was founded by a gentleman named Kim Wong around the turn of the century. He made like one six scale like weapons and accessories for hot toys sort of things, but they were kind of like an autonomous sort of brand. Three A is a partnership between Kim and Ashley Wood. Um, and 3.0, they've always handled the production, the manufacturing, the engineering of the figures, and Ashley Wood does the designs, overseeing sculpts, create, you know, creative director, and direction of the company. And so that's where like the two kind of, it exists. Over the years, S3A got more popular, and because of Ashley Wood's clout, and you know, he he knows a lot of people in the comic and illustration industries. 3A obtained licenses like Metal Gear Solid, uh, and then like the most popular ones would be like Transformers and Marvel. And so they've had those. Um, 3.0 along the lines, as they saw how 3A was doing really well with the licensed products, 3.0 kind of flipped into now a like a more of a customer-facing brand and has done their own li- like licensing of one six scale things that are really just not art. They're not, I wouldn't call them, they're like, it'd be like hot toys. It's not art- artist-centric. It's just, it's Breaking Bad, it's Game of Thrones. It's, gotcha. You know, Walking Dead. And so then a couple years ago, I guess 3A, they got a new uh, operating officer who then kind of just started to uh, cut 3A products from the production schedule or just, not funding things because uh, they're just like not selling well or risky ventures. And so there's like a point with someone like an artist like Ashley Wood where it's like you're just constantly still creating stuff. But if your partner is not making your stuff, you're just like, I- I've got to go somewhere else to make my stuff. So that's what that's what happened. Okay. So it's so he's still going to be making toys. He's just going elsewhere. Yeah. Like Ashley Wood, his IP, he takes it with him wherever he goes. So 3-0 can't just mag- magically make Ashley Wood figure on their own. And yeah, he's just going to take his characters and make them elsewhere. So. Okay. No, that makes total sense. I I, I got to admit, when the, had you asked me if 3A was still producing toys before the news dropped today, I probably would have guessed maybe no. 
It's, it's, it's not a company that I pay much attention to. I've never bought a product from them. It's not something I collect. But I am familiar with them. I am familiar with the, the toys and the releases and the designs. And I know they've had a very significant impact on designer toys and they help pave the way for others. But it's kind of like an actor that you're kind of vaguely aware of and someone asks you if they're dead or alive. You don't really, really know. And that's kind of what 3A is to me. But when you heard the news today that 3A was closing... Did that affect you personally in any sort of way, Scott? No, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've been collecting 3A for a long time. I've, I've gotten what I've wanted out of them while still just kind of keeping tabs on what they're up to. Anyone who really, if you really look at things, um, you kind of seen the writing on the wall for a little bit. Okay. Um, I guess I also have a little bit of an edge since I have some really good friends that work for 3A, so I can kind of get some info from them. But it was still kind of, interesting news to hear but it all makes sense i mean even like uh this year at comic-con it wasn't they weren't it wasn't called the 3a booth it was the ashley wood gallery was the booth name ah uh, okay um but uh 3a i think they described it the best like um their thing was like it's like a like a rock band they're just changing labels but the music stays the same my, yeah my first thought was do i have anything in pre-order from them that i haven't got oh. yeah there's i mean <laughs> Since like three zero makes all this stuff, it's all gonna still. If there's anything left in the pipeline, it's still gonna get made and still gonna get shipped. It's three zero is the company doing all that. Okay. So yeah, you don't lose. Like no one loses out on anything. I mean, three because three zero became a bigger company with their stuff. They started getting into like more like warranties, which you don't really see in like a design. You don't see that in designer toys. So they even had like a couple warranties for like 3A products of late, um, and those are still going to be honored. So it's you don't really lose anything. Okay. Well, I've never heard of warranties in designer toys. I don't even know how that would work. But uh, going back and talking with Ashley Wood again real quick, do you think him leaving 3.0, do you think he's still going to do the licensed properties? I know he, he was probably wanting to do it with 3.0, and he did some cool lines with them. But now that he's separating, do you think he's still going to be doing the, the licensed stuff, or is he going to be primarily working only on his uh, original IP again? Um, he, I think he was, like, he was, on his end of things, he was doing it. Uh, it's just a matter of, and I w- I'd say this shouldn't be like a 3A, you know, a 3A screwed up royally and ruined what they had. Like, you know, this is kind of the whole designer toy industry right now is licensed products, pay the bills. So the weird stuff can still be made right. and be lost. And they're all, and it's all lost leaders. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, that's pretty right. Yeah. So I think Ashley Wood was designing stuff, but it was all getting stopped on the storyboard phase so to speak okay yeah no that makes total sense i mean once you start incurring employees and mass overhead and debt and stuff like that you don't have much of a choice but to start licensing and doing some mass production sort of stuff for the mainstream audience because paying those sort of bills and that sort of debt is really hard to do when you're only producing designer toys. So I get it. It's like, don't frown yeah. upon the, the Super 7s and a lot of these other companies that have now done extremely well in dabbling with the licensed products. And that's one reason that we're seeing a lot of licensed products, I believe, because a lot of these companies that started out just small yeah. independents, they've grown and now they have employees. And nobody wants to have to fire people that they've considered part of their family. So if to keep your family intact and you have to take on licensed properties, you got to do what you got to do. 
Yeah. But then you have a company like Super Plastic, who I just read an article on uh, the Toy Chronicle. We're going to be talking about them in a second, but um, they did a little interview with Paul Budnitz of Super Plastic, and he was saying that he's not even he, their company is not interested in mass producing anything. Like he, they believe that if you're making something for the entire world, that you're basically just following trends and cultures, and you're not really leading anything. So their philosophy seems to be. If you can just make 200 or 500 of something, you can take more risk because that's you only need to find 500 people in the entire world to support your product. So I wonder if Super Plastic is going to stay true to that philosophy. I mean, Scott, you've been familiar with the designer toys and how Paul Budnitz thinks. Do you think that's going to hold true for Super Plastic going into the future? Um, I think we're going to probably wind up talking about it more, but I feel like they're they've got like they're like. Tip, they're going to be they're tiptoeing a lot like maybe kind of a fine line right now which could go either way with some of their their recent announcement okay um, well maybe we should segue into that okay. then we should just talk about yeah okay so this week super plastic actually dropped a couple whoppers this week on us and uh, the, the biggest one was they made the announcement that they have received a 10 million dollar funding for them to branch out into like an animation division of their company. So they're not going to be just doing toys. And what they're going to be doing with this animation division is they want to take their two popular characters, which are Janky and Googiemon, and bring them to life via animation. And they want to make them respond to current events and the fan base quickly via social media. So they're looking to basically make them social media influencers. And so they've created Instagram accounts for these two characters and, from what my understanding is, the animation division is to work with these two characters solely f- to bring them to life via social media. Am I getting that right? Is that how you guys understood it as well? I don't know. I, I'm kind of not on the super plastic train, so it's kind of. I'm, I thought Googiemon. See, I saw Googiemon. Like, I know I've seen the name like from like promotion stuff like a while back, and I figured it was like some weird artist I haven't heard of. See, that's. Uh, no, that's exactly it. So they've been doing this whole time. They've been trying to promote this thing like like Googiemon or Gujimon or whatever it is. Yeah. They were trying to promote it like it was this. They even said that, like horror icon hip, or horror yeah. hip hop icon. Like, and then they had like Tony Hawk like pretending he knew who this person was. Like they were oh, acting really? like this was like a real person. And now they've finally come forward saying like Googiemon or is, is this character we've created and – he like now you can go follow him on Instagram and follow him on Facebook. Like he's like, Googiemon's your new friend, and it's just like they're trying and they they're trying to become influencers. They want to be Instagram influencers so that Googiemon can make money, like selling you shit on Instagram. Mm. And it's just like, I, I don't know. It just it's seems like- it just seems super lame. Like, what you have Huck? Why not have Huck be the guy who's you're you're trying to have people follow and like he did the he's the real artist. Why do I want to follow a cartoon character that you made up for your janky line? I, I don't know. To me, I don't care about it. Like I would never. I'm not gonna follow. I'm not gonna follow Googiemon. I don't follow dogs on Instagram. I don't follow like I'm not. I don't follow cats on Instagram. Like it's just I don't. I don't know. Like so none of this stuff impacts what you buy, George. I, it, it actually it actually makes the exact it actually made the exact opposite impact on me and I purposely didn't buy the stuff when they started doing this like 
Gugimon is a real artist. Follow him. Like I, I purposely like, and it's funny because I love the fig. I love the way the figure looks. And if they would have just come out and said Huck designed this new figure called Gugimon, I would have bought that figure. Hmm. But instead, they they were trying to pretend like some fake horror icon hip hop artist designed it, and there was nobody there that really designed it. So I was like, "Fuck you! I'm not buying that." It's like a 21st century version of gorillas, even though the, I know the gorillas are 21st century, but it's like a it's like a current version of that, I guess. I guess, yeah. Like, weird, with a twist of like, I mean, the gorillas you knew were like not real per se. And they like you know who the gorillas really are in real life playing the instruments. Like yeah. they didn't hide that. Yeah. So like, they would just say, "Hey, Huck is Googiemon." Come follow Googiemon. It's what Huck's going to do when he's trying to be this cartoon character. Great. Don't lie about it. So are you saying that they did finally come out and just say that Googiemon is yeah, not... Googiemon is the guy. Googiemon is this cartoon character they created. There's, okay. They created Janky and Googiemon. Janky is... There's a bio on each one of them. If you go to the Instagram... Yeah, I'm looking at... I'm just looking at the Super Plastic site. Okay. So now we know it's a manufactured thing from Super Plastic. So it's whether it's... Huck or Paul or both of them, they were they are the ones that came up with Googiemon. Yes. Okay. So I'm reading what? here on social media. So I'm, I'm reading uh, the Toy Chronicle, and it says, Giving Janky and Googiemon lives on social media also opens up new avenues for revenue far beyond character licensing. So they'll be earning fees like real-life influencers. Yeah. And uh, Super Plastic is in talks with global fashion brands about partnerships. So this is potentially another revenue stream from them which is interesting yeah i'll give them that it's like a crazy take on or like angle to go for uh keeping a brand going i can't knock that it's very interesting and i guess innovative have you guys seen the images what do you think of the designs i think honestly i think they're pretty awesome like i think these are really cool it's, i don't know if it's something like a figure that i would buy i'm not into the you know the the fashion dolls or whatever, but as figures, as just plain photography, these are really nice looking images. So I can see where, in a marketing sense, this would work really really well. I, I mean, I, I agree. I like the. And that's what sucks about it is I like the figure. I like, like I said, I like the Googiebomb figure. I, there's just no way you're going to get me to follow him on on Instagram. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do it. Yeah, um, I it's like. I mean, I guess for the on the social media people that are just going to randomly come across these, they could care less. But for me, it'd be like I would enjoy more of the uh, a back and forth where each character reflects like Paul and Huck in a way. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's their it's their personas projected onto these characters, and at least for like the designer toy people, I think that would be more interesting than just like a whatever and a bunny looking thing saying like, oh, you should totally buy this potato chip not my thing but yeah as i say i think the more important part of that whole story though is the fact that they got a 10 million dollar like buy-in up for their company and now they could just i mean you know how many how much crap you can make for 10 million that's gonna be amazing like yeah they don't ever need to go back to kickstarter again no they'd be stupid not to i mean you still should because that that marketing of kickstarter is amazing for them they seem to do really well with it and i think that helps promote each line now you'd have to like rely on just this repeat buyers that are on your mailing list. I don't know. Like maybe it might still be smart to go to Kickstarter still. I don't know. Right. So uh, the Toy Chronicle did a actually 
talked to, I guess they got in touch with Paul Budnitz at Super Plastic, and they kind of interviewed him a little bit. And so, George, what you were saying about the Kickstarter uh, as a platform that Super Plastic launched the first two series of, of the mini janky figures, um, Paul's answer to are they going to be using Kickstarter in the future, his basic answer was no promises, but they think they're probably done with Kickstarter. They think going forward, you know, especially with this funding, that they're probably going to be able to even forego some of the pre-order system and be able to get their toys uh, direct to market instead of going the pre-order system too. So I can see where that's, this really does help them for sure. Yeah, I mean, they don't, I mean, you definitely don't need the Kickstarter. It was really more just a commercial at this point anyway. I mean, if you have that funding, there you go. And if you've got residuals from influencing influencing in ads, you, you that's, that's, there's your, there's your money. Like you don't even have to have people, you know, since all, all the influencing kind of revenue is not necessarily from buying, but just clicking on things. Right. You know, it's like, it's kind of even easier. So I'm reading now, I might have done a falsity. Is that a word? False? No, that's not a word. Falsehood? I don't know. Um, Falsehood sounds like a medical problem. (laughs) So I might have to do a retraction. I might have said that Super Plastic does... uh, has no interest in licensing. I, they definitely have interest in licensing. They're just not interested in mass, mass production of anything where it's like 5,000 to 30,000 units or something. Yeah, because I don't think licensing is seems to be a problem with them. They're, they got Louis Vuitton all over their Instagram. They got a whole bunch of stuff. So I don't think they're going to be shying away from anything licensed. Right. But let's, uh, if you look right now, Googiemon is way more popular than Janky. <laughs> Are we gonna keep tags? Who's who has to. more like, followers? Do you think Janky can ever catch up to Googiemon, or does everyone like him better? So far, people like the bunny over the fox. But you know what? Googiemon's been having an Instagram account for a while now, so I think this is Janky is probably only new this week. So I think Janky can catch up, and I imagine the two are gonna like cross promote somehow. Or probably, well, they do. They tag each other in a bunch of them already. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the relationship's going to be like. I don't know if it's going to be bantery, if they're good friends, or I don't know how how it's going to work. But eventually, let's let's check in on a month and see what the numbers look like. Exactly. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, so I guess at what point? Uh, I think of another brand that kind of wind up crossing the bridge. But like, at what point does Googiemon go from Right now, it's like a it is like an independent designer toy and style. At what point does it cross into a licensed threshold? Is it when someone else, like a Hasbro, says like, "Hey, we're gonna make a movie out of make like make toys, make a movie," or? I mean, it's interesting. I guess we'll just have to cross that road you know? when we get to it. But I think that they're gonna be really careful as what they decide to cross promote. I think. Knowing from what I've seen of Super Plastic so far, it's going to be pretty large name brands that can tap into that social media influencer world. So I don't know that Hasbro or Mattel or something like that would be something they'd be into. But as far as fashion sense or music or whatever, or shoes or anything that's going to be almost a hype beast sort of thing, I could totally see them wanting to tap into. Well, especially for Googiemon, because like if you look at who he's following. There's like, it's def- it's yeah. Like I mean, luxury, is it like, oh, well, I see you already, you know, you already tagged Billy Eil- 
Eilish in the yeah, like thing. Chuck D, uh, mm. Billie Eilish, Childish Gambino, Missy Elliott, Ariana Grande, Sam Jackson, Versace. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> now, who's Janky following? Because Janky seems a little more laid back. He's just wearing shorts and a hoodie. Googiemon seems to be the one that's got the, the fashion sense and the style. He's dressed. Yeah, Janky's following like Chrissy Teigen. Uh, <laughs> Sket. Sket, okay. Jane, Jane Fonda. Miley Cyrus, Jonas Brothers, One Direction. Uh, I was hoping for like a nickel back in there. Are they following uh, anyone in the designer toy world other than Skit? Uh, yeah, Huck. Okay, my anyone other than the obvious ones like My Plastic Heart. Okay, My, my Plastic Jack. Heart. Okay. Uh, The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> huh. Uh, yeah, like Scene. S E E N. Okay, Super Plastic is doing a... He's in Series 2 with them, so that makes the sense. Ellen, the Ellen Show. I get yeah. it. This Ellen, is weird. Ellen's got a lot of followers. I get it. Okay, so you mentioned that he was following Sketch, so let's jump to talking about that release, because that was another surprise release drop that happened this week. And so what this is, Sket won. He's the the king of condiments, and so... What he's done is an 8-inch super janky of a basically skinned a janky as if it's a, a Krylon can. And it's freaking awesome. Like, I, I, I've never done graffiti in my life. I've, you know, it has, I don't really relate to this in any sort of way other than that is a cool piece of art to me. And apparently the cap, it looks just like a spray can and the, the cap pops off and the inside is a real spray can nozzle. And if you shake it, it sounds like, like a real spray can shaking like the old fat caps yeah and so an eight inch super sket janky or what's it called cranky it's uh, cranky. Dro- cranky it's a vinyl figure eight inches dropped today 65 dollars 505 pieces sold out already sold out within the first uh, few hours i guess i heard that's... people said minutes or seconds see that's the thing is here okay that i don't know how far we can go with the marketing on that that's okay. that's what you want to say that's what people they want everyone to say it sold out in seconds sold out in minutes that's fantastic for marketing but the day before so they opened up 200 to the super family who okay. basically got a 24 hour 4 hour early purchase on it and i clicked on that link yesterday by the time i clicked on it it was already sold out so the first 200 sold out 24 hours before then they dropped today, the remaining 305, apparently sold out in seconds. But then a few hours later, it turns out they opened up this pre-order system. This is a pre-order. It's going to be in hand around December. But apparently, unlike other pre-orders that they've done, this time retailers were able to get it. So I saw My Plastic Heart had it, Strange Cat Toys, and I Am Retro had it as well. But the weird part is, the price, retail price, was $65. And on the day of release, I Am Retro had it for $75. Do you guys think that's right? That on the day of a release, a retail store can mark it up? Well, I mean, can't a retail store sell anything for any price they want? I mean, that's there's a, there's a MSRP, which is the manufacturer's suggested retail price. Sell yeah. Okay. Huh. yeah, okay, okay, that makes, okay, you're right, I, I totally forget about the MSRP, but I still don't like it, I don't, I don't like it, it's just, it's, it just feels shady to me, it feels like on the day of release, all retailers should have it priced the same, but you're right, I mean, the Toys R Us or 
you know, other retailers would have things priced differently than a Walmart and a Target. So yeah, in that regards, I get it. But I only saw it on I Am Retro first. I didn't realize all the other retailers had it, and I saw it for $75 on I Am Retro. And so it instantly made me think that they went to the Super Plastic website and bought a bunch, and they were instantly trying to flip them for a small profit. And so in that regard, that's why I didn't like seeing the $75 price. It just doesn't seem right to me that a retailer in our industry should be selling it more on the day of release. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's kind of weird. If it was like, you know, a different colorway, it makes sense that, okay, it's a little bit different. Um, but, I mean, Super Plastic is the wholesaler as well, so it's like there's not really – you're going to ship it somewhere. And it's also weird how it happened. I don't think it was mentioned that retailers were going to no. have it. So – as far as people thought, it was sold out in seconds. And so then do you if, think that's still part of the 505, though? It's definitely part of the 505. Yeah, so maybe they took out a, they sold 200 yesterday, they sold another 200 on the website today, and then another 100 or, to the retailers, maybe? Yeah, probably. No. I mean, I, I don't doubt it, because it's really pretty brilliant marketing to do the Super Family early 24-hour release where they had 200 and supposedly sold out of that. And then the next morning, maybe they only had 100 to sell. And, of course, that would sell out in a few seconds. And then maybe retailers, between all of them, maybe they got maybe 200 of the stock. And yeah. we, this I mean, it's just brilliant marketing because we, from the first two sellouts, by the, you know people are going to be bummed they missed out. And when, by the time the retailers announced they had them, it would be a mad frenzy for people to scurry and get them. Even if they didn't want it, they're buying the thing because they think it's just popular and, and a potentially flippable property at a later date. So in the second I saw this thing, it was so good. It was so good. I, I knew it was going to sell out Lickety Split. Lickety Split. Lickety Split. So that's no, great. Don't you think it's nice that a retailer, because retailers, a lot of stuff today from independent producers and even the companies are going direct to market. A lot of stuff is not going to the retail stores anymore. So it's nice that in this situation, the retail stores were considered. It's also cool that the, I mean, it's good to have this first one sell out because then that kind of opens up the gates for now they can do, I mean, the spray cans, you could do a million colors. Yeah. I so, mean, I'm looking at, I mean, just there's four colors right on the body that you know they're going to do those. Yeah, so that's cool that this one sells, and then now retailers can jump in and get their own colorways and things like that, so it's nice. You're not kidding. There's going to be a 100 colorways of this thing, probably. They're not going to stop at just four, and this thing is designed perfectly for colorways. I know a lot of people bitch if someone takes a toy and they make more than 10 colorways of something, but in this case, I, I can't think of a more perfect platform or, or toy to have a 100 colorways of something. I mean, this isn't even the first spray can ever made. You know that, right? <laughs> True. Like, like again, like this, I don't normally pay attention to the the urban side of the toy scene, so I know there have been. I used to this have a spray first can shelf. That's how many spray can toys there are. Oh Jesus! <laughs> See, I'm just out of touch. I don't know why I'm hosting this thing. I don't know what's going on out there. <laughs> well, here, let me tell you about something that you will know nothing about because it's from the UK, and uh, it'll be complete news to you and possibly to some of the people out there. Okay. Uh, I got hit up on Instagram. Theo slid into my DMs. Oh. <laughs> this guy, Theo. Um, we actually, I don't, I'm not positive if this is the guy we talked to while we were at the, the, the UK um, toy art convention, 
but we ran it. We we went to this guy's booth or this company's booth at least at the at the convention. It's called Nema Studios. That's N E M A Studios. If you want to look it up while we're talking, and they these guys made these figures called the Incredible Adventures of Duck Boy. They were like really nicely sculpted. The packaging was really cool, and they went and just produced this whole line of figures already for that without doing like any kind of like kickstarters or anything like that and now they're making a new figure and it's called deathlatron and man let me tell you this figure looks awesome like it's pretty cool the duck boys or you know whatever that's not really my style i don't really i don't think i'd want to buy any of those but i mean maybe the robot one is kind of cool looking but for other people they're great but for me this deathlatron is the one uh it's going to be eight inch and the guy, uh, I had him email me because I wanted to know a little more information. He said it's based on, um, or it's, an, it's inspired by this. Uh... Oh, wait, hold on a sec. I'll get back to that. We got to pause for one second. Someone's at the door. I love that. Someone's at the door. Who do you think it is, Scott? You want to take any guesses? You want to take some bets? Amazon. I'll bet it's like or a pizza. It's, it's like a neighborhood pest control that's going to say, we happen to be in your neighborhood this week. Would you like a discount or something like that? Maybe it's just a kid selling candy. It is. Oh. Yeah. It's a solicitor. But our door is supposed to be locked, so I don't, I don't know how exactly. I wish we could listen in. Is the door locked? I'm guessing. I guess the outside one's not. FedEx can't get in to deliver me a package, but some guy selling chocolate bars can get in. <laughs> Those ones that we used to sell, like during uh, Little League? It was a giant, it looked like a, like a money, like it looked like a dollar bill or whatever, but it was like the size of like my arm. It was a giant candy bar <laughs> for only like seven bucks. Seven bucks? It was, yeah, it was totally worth it, but I, I don't know. Candy bar, strange kid. <laughs> Didn't even have a parent with him. Um, all right, so let me get back into this thing. Yeah, so this figure is based, I asked him to send me an email so he can tell me a little bit about what this is. And he said, um, Deathlatron is a throwback to an old 80s line of knockoff He-Man figures called Speclatron. Yeah. Um, the bad guy in that line is a purple skeleton with transparent glitter chest called Deathlore. So he so he collaborated with this... This guy, Theo, collaborated with this company called Nema Studios in the UK. Um, and they decided... They designed this, uh, this Deathlatron figure. Um, and I don't know. I just think, like, once he sent me the pictures, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all in. This thing's amazing. So what they're doing is a pre-order on their site. It's basically like, I think they're going to make it anyway, but it's kind of like a Kickstarter. And they're just trying to raise the funds ahead of time to be able to make it because you know how you know how much it costs to make this stuff. Yep. It said it's going to be eight inches tall and sealed on a, a 14 by 7 backer card. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why he's doing a backer card instead of a box, but... I mean, maybe that's it's a really complex. cool backer card. I'm looking at it now. I mean, it's nicely done. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and it's going to have a bunch of like accessories. Like there's a gun, there's a shield. Like, I don't know. This thing looks badass. Yeah. though. I said there's I guess something in the pictures. Um, prototype fact is prototype pictures are factory proof. Said that the finished one will have a translucent glitter chest and translucent neon green armor. Pretty cool. It reminds me also it's like a Skeletor meets uh, Judge Death. Yeah, totally. Totally, yeah. Um, but I don't know. This thing looks pretty badass. Um, it's sixty dollars and sixty-two cents right now 
for an eight-inch figure, I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's totally reasonable with the backer card and everything, plus all the accessories. I'm looking at the one figure. It's probably the one that you're just talking about, but it looks like it has detachable shoulder pads, a gun, a shield, and a helmet. I mean, that's yeah, you're getting a lot out of it. It's it's pretty badass. I I might have to order this figure. Well, but it looks like what well, George is. This looks like it's gonna be a series. Once you get started, you're gonna need those other three. That's true. And look at those outlines. I do want them. <laughs> they got horns. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead, check it out if you're into it. Uh, NEMA Studios, again, is the uh, place you can go pre-order. Yeah, and the figure's called Death Latron. Pretty cool. Oh, someone's at my door. Let's go see who it is. <laughs> hey, look who it is. It's our sponsors. My Plastic Heart, Strange Cat Toys, 3D Retro. Oh, you guys didn't have to stop by, but... Well, I'm no, I'm, I'm recording right now. So for our listeners, so, so you know, Strange Cat Toys, you can find them at strangecattoys.com. We have a promo code for them. Uh, it is, what is it? Guys, what is it? Marsham? Yeah, use promo code Marsham at checkout and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. And as also, if you go to myplasticheart.com and use our promo code TOYFAM, at checkout, if you spend seventy-five dollars more and live in the states, you'll get free shipping with that promo code of ToyFam. And if you happen to be in New York City, you can visit Vin and what? Oh, Kiba! Look at little Kiba! You can visit Vin and Kiba over at My Plastic Heart in New York City. And then we all oh, Ben. Thanks for coming out. Ben runs 3D Retro out there in Burbank and Jason, California. So you can visit his awesome store out there. Otherwise, you can go to 3DRetro.com. Ben, what's your promo code? What? You don't have one? Well, so listeners, if you, just because we don't have a promo code for them doesn't mean you shouldn't support them because they help support us, so you should definitely help support them. Um, otherwise, who's in the back back there? Spanky Stokes! John Spanky Stokes! Look at you, prankster you. Thanks for coming out, man. So you can visit John's uh, toy blog at spankystokes.com. And then who else is... Gary and Andy. Hey, guys. They run the toychronicle.com. And be sure to download their app at any one of your favorite app stores. Just search The Toy Chronicle. But guys, thanks for stopping by, but I'm in the middle of recording with George and Scott here, so let me wrap this up, and then we'll meet up for, like, what, pizza and wings afterwards? Cool. Now, it'll just be a few minutes. We're going to wrap this up and talk about a few more things, and I'll catch you guys guys soon. Bye. Well, that was a nice, unexpected visit. I always like seeing our sponsors. Now, George, you were just out there in... Uh... What, New Jersey for G-Con, the Four Horsemen convention? I was. How was that? Um, it was great. We had, a, we had a really good time. It's uh, it's basically just, I think, I don't know if I talked about this last year. You, did, you, did, you briefly talked on it last year, but yeah, go ahead and re- like recover what it was. Basically, it was just, you know, we were sitting at Comic-Con two years ago. Um, you know, I'm hanging out with the Horsemen because it's like, you know, it's the one chance I get to see them during the year when they come out here and then I... If I go back for Christmas or something, I'll try and see him around that time. But basically, I see him once a year, and it's at Christmas or maybe twice a year at PowerCon, too. And uh, we're all out there, and, you know, both of our booths are just crappy. Like, you know, basically, they were doing an online release during Comic-Con. So it was like they were making their money online selling figures instead of (laughs) – at the convention, they're spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to have a booth and fly out here and be here, you know, be in California for five days or whatever, and then really just selling all their stuff online anyway. So we all decided, let's just get together 
in their studio and do the online release then and they'd save all that money by you know save all that travel money put it back into the figure making more figures and then the only money spent is me going out there makes sense um and then i don't have to spend all that money going down to comic-con and all that stuff so it was just a a way to just hang out with those guys and uh what it turned into last year for the first time was instead of just going and hanging out they did a live we basically broadcast live all day and interviewed a bunch of people and had invited people to their studio and just kind of hung out so they did it again this year and it was much much smoother and much uh uh, just ran a little a little smoother this time because everybody knew what was going to happen and we kind of knew what was going on. We weren't like eating lunch on camera or anything like that <laughs> this year. Uh, we did still get the giant ta- Taco Bell order um, for everybody that showed up, but you know there was no there was no eating on camera this time. Everybody complained last year. How are people viewing it then? Uh, so it's live on Facebook and Instagram um, on the Four Horsemen's Facebook page and on the Four Horsemen's Instagram feed. Okay. And uh, I think the, I think on Facebook you can still go back and watch it. And I think we broadcast for like seven hours, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think you could watch all of it. And it was just it's basically every half hour we did a giveaway and a new reveal of a figure they were about to put up for presale. Wow. Um, and they gave away test shots all day. Like like protos. Yeah, like like prototype test shots from the factory. So like the when you when you make a toy, the first thing you get from the factory is what they call a test shot, which is usually in like a off-color material. So it's usually like a gray or whatever. It's like a brownish. It's it's usually just mixed plastic that's all, you know, put back in through the through the machine and just whatever color it comes out is what it comes out. It's it's never a color you're going to use for something. Um, it's usually in a darker color so you can kind of see the details and in like a grayish color so you can see everything. Yep. And you use that to make sure the joints are good or make sure all the accessories are there, make sure that the details are what you want, and then you fine-tune it from there before you go into full production. So these pieces are all like, you know, sometimes there's, you know, three of them made or something like that, or, I mean, it could just be, you know, some of them could be one-offs, but usually there's like three to four of them made so that you can really test out, you know, test out each figure, see what it is, and, make sure everything is good. So these things are super rare. Um, never, never really available for the public, you know, that kind of thing. So they, they were just giving them out all day. Wow. Did they have like, like contests or raffles or did they just give them no, out was, to, like, questions? Strictly whoever was there watching during that time, like every half hour, whoever was watching and making comments, we just scrolled up and down through the comments and hit stop and just pointed at somebody's name. <laughs> Scott, you missed out. I know. Because you were, well, no, see, this happened the weekend after San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah, this year was the weekend after. Last year it was during Comic-Con, and this year we did it the week after, because I think CD wanted to go out to Comic-Con. Now, during that time, did you talk about any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff that they're working on with Super 7? Um, I Has that been announced? I think I'm... Mm, I mean, we know they have a license. How did you know that they had Ninja Turtles? How? Well, okay, Kyle Kerwin. So he wanted us to ask you if you knew anything more about the figures they're doing with the Four Horsemen and, and the Super 7. So I didn't know if the information was out there. So I just did a quick Google search, George, and yeah, there is inf- there is some information online about it. Apparently there was a, a Pixel Dan video that mentioned there's going to be the figures and then Corn Boy back in February. 
uh, confirmed that they are sculpting some 7-inch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures for Super 7. So the information is out there, but not much. I am not going to say anything because <laughs> I have no idea what's been talked about. Right. I will I, I will say nothing. Um, Plead the fifth. Yeah, I, I can't I can't say anything. Once it's out, I'll definitely talk about it, but I, I'm not saying anything. No way. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool that they work. Do they normally work with Super 7? I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, when Super 7 got the um, the master's license from Mattel, uh, they took kind of took the Four Horsemen with them to keep going and making the line. So okay. it was you know, continuity of the figures and everything looked as good as it did for Mattel. Um, so, yeah, they've worked with Super 7 quite a bit, and they have a, a great relationship with them, and they're, they the stuff they do for them is amazing. Yeah, they've I can definitely say that the stuff that they do with Super 7 is great. Speaking of that, that Super Seven was had the uh, the He-Man Marvel, you know, Masters of the Universe license. The past two or three years, they've been doing that as a pop-up shop during San Diego Comic Con. This year, it was a couple of different things: the Bodega with the Universal Monsters, and then the Oak Reef pop-up show using the Peanuts line, and no Masters of the Universe at all this year. Is Super Seven still doing the Masters of the Universe stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, they just uh, they just funded that Snake Mountain playset, which was like eight hundred dollars or something, some crazy price like that. And that funded Um, through Kickstarter, right? No, they did their own like pre-order. Like as long as they got enough, as long as they got enough pre-orders, they they were they would make it. Okay, and it succeeded. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be the most insane piece for collectors. Did you buy it? No. 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 What was it? It was expensive, right? It was like six hundred bucks, or it was it was six something, and then with taxes because we're in California, and with shipping, it came to eight thirty. I think. Oh my god! And I just couldn't do. I mean, I I got Castle Grayskull when it came out, and I still have never taken it out of the box. So I just thought to myself, George, you're an idiot if you buy this, and it's huge, and this thing doubles it. Holy shit! Like this Snake Mountain is enormous. Yeah, where where are most people going to put that thing? That's kind of like the GI Joe airplane yeah, lander yeah. cruiser thing. It, this thing has <laughs> to be the biggest. This honestly, this has to be the biggest place that ever made. Jesus, it's it's really big, and the people that pre-ordered it are lucky. They're gonna because they're gonna have a killer piece in their collection. I'm looking at it now. It's approximately four feet by three feet, four feet wide. It's insane. Like the fact that Super Seven is making this is insane. Like that just shows the like the dedication they have to that line. It's really it's I mean, it's really cool. The stuff they're doing with the with that they're continuing with all this stuff is is really awesome. Yeah, and this time this it's so impressive. And that's one thing that's great about Super Seven is they make things because it's something that they're passionate about and love about. Like what is their mantra? Their mantra is something like we grew up in the eighties. We like punk and star Wars, and, but no one, no, no one made the stuff that we want, like we wanted. So we're making it ourselves. It's something like that. And you can see that you can see that they're putting that passion and love into these lines. Like, and they're doing lines that it's not mass market appeal stuff. It's very niche. It's very nerdcore for a very small percentage of people of collectors, but they're making it for those collectors. And those collectors love what they're like making it so much that they're willing to, 
you know, support what they're doing. Like that Transformers line they did. I, it's, it's, I'd never seen them before, but it was the Transformers with the, the clear chest plates. But someone out there knew what that was, and they were buying that stuff up. It's awesome. That's it is cool. crazy, though, because now they are getting, I mean, with Ninja Turtles, because I think that they did have a Ninja Turtles set at, um, at Comic-Con this year. I think it was the reaction version. Oh, the pizza, on the pizza? In the pizza box, that yeah. That was awesome. Um, so, I mean, they are getting into the licenses that are very, like, everyone has. Like, it's the sa- it's those same, like, who doesn't have a Ninja Turtle license at this point? Like, True. But, yeah. I mean, when that when that stuff comes out, if they're working with the horsemen on anything, you know, we'll have to talk about it then. Okay. Interesting. Did you guys buy anything from Super 7 during San Diego Comic-Con? I did. It's like you, one of the only things I got from what'd Comic-Con. You, what'd, you, what'd you get? Uh, I picked up the uh, reaction figure they did of uh, Slayer's No Mercy, the bloody variant. Oh, okay. I don't know if they, you know what that looks like, Gary. I don't, but sure. <laughs> I had a mule pick me up some of the Charlie Brown peanut stuff. Okay. So I got the first... The one that was the first edition of the the first print or first comic of the Charlie Brown, I got that one, and they did pennants. So I got the uh, uh, o, the go. yeah the O'Grief yellow pennant. So it's cool that somebody else is out there doing pennants, and I'm sure there's a selling better than than ours did. Hey, you started it. I did. I uh, I actually did get a piece. Um, I didn't. I purposely didn't look at what anyone was selling at Comic-Con this year because I didn't want to feel like I was missing anything. So if I don't know it, I didn't miss it. Um, but Ben picked me up the uh, that Ninja Turtle and the Pizza Box set from yeah. the reaction set. Okay, yeah. Um, I didn't even know. I had no idea what it was. He just he just wrote me one day and said, I got you the Pizza Box. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I saw him after, after Comic-Con and he gave it to me. And I was like, I didn't even, I had no idea it even existed. So... It, but it's it's pretty amazing, and now I don't know what to do because I hate <laughs> I hate packaging. And, oh, that thing! But is it's so perfect. Packaging. You have to keep it, right? Yeah. So it's like now I have this giant pizza box I have to keep. I but mean, can... I, I I saw one like someone I know had one. It's like it's so great because it's an actual like screen printed uh, pizza box. So how yeah. do you display it though? Do you just kind of put it at a forty five degree angle and then open the lid you put and in a pin closet it? Or... And about it. Yeah, it's one of those sort of things. You just. It's just kind of cool to know that you have it, but it's yeah. not something you display. And then you sell it in two years at Decon. For half of what you paid. But it is, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled it out of the box. It's, I mean, it's pretty freaking cool. Like, it just sucks that I have to keep this giant <laughs> pizza box. Now. It, it came with all the full, the full crew, right? Yeah, it's got the four turtles inside. I mean, I'll probably never even open the plastic. It's got four turtles inside. And their mounted their blister card is a slice of pizza, so when you put them all together, it looks like they're on a pizza in the pizza box. Nah, that's pretty awesome. It's how, so good. How much was it? How many were made? I have no idea. Uh, ben, oh, ben you, you just got nice friends enough. to just buy these things for you. It must be nice. Ben was nice enough to pick this up for me. He didn't tell me how much it was. Maybe it was a birthday gift. Thank you, Ben. If not, I hope I don't know him. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> Well, that's cool. And Scott, you were at San Diego Comic Con, and this I was. We heard George was saying that this year the designer toy section is actually moving. You know, in the previous years, like it was shoved up in the back corner. Yeah. 
this now year we're was, in the middle. now we're in the middle in the middle and so how was that what was the the vibe of it this year um i think it was really good um there's a lot i think it was more foot traffic but not like the uh foot traffic where people are just like passing by like they're actually like stopping to look right um i know like i talked to a few of the artists and like everyone said they were doing better this year just because you have a new eyes on it that's great um, um, I mean, it's a smaller section than it was in the past. Um, For those familiar with San Diego, like what rows were kind of it? It was yeah. like more or less like I think it was like two thousand. Nah, nah, it was like twenty two or twenty three hundred to like twenty six, twenty seven hundred. It was okay. closer to like the Mezco area, right? What yeah, it was like they were right before Mezco. They were like right next to, um, like uh, Entertainment Earth. And I'm think I think it, there's another big one. So Mattel might have been after no Mattel. Yeah, I think Mattel. Uh, Mattel. And I think yeah, it goes like Entertainment Earth, Mattel, and then the designer toys. That's pretty great placement. Can't yeah. complain about that. Yeah, but, because it, now with like all of the the entire like uh the old designer toy area, besides obviously like Funko taking up the side of the wall like Warner Brothers moved over and they just took over like the entire pretty much like the entire footprint of um the designer toy section from like at its peak is like all Warner. Holy crap. It's like Warner Studios, it was like Warner like the animation, the toys, the toy side of things. I mean it's just this insane booth. I mean, it's great to hear that, as far as you can tell, Scott, that the sales were better for everybody. Because it's one of those things, like, there was kind of a mass exodus on the designer toy moves. So, do you think people are gonna that, that left are going to regret leaving? Mm, no, because, I mean, it's in a way, this kind of goes back to the beginning of this recording when, you know, we're talking about artists, like, design stuff versus licensing with, like, 3A. This is how all the other companies are. I mean, if, Super 7 is, like, what, 95% license, and they have, like, 5% still of, like, you know, their old school stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Kid Robot is, the majority of their stuff is licensed, so they can fund a small amount of really cool, ballsy artist stuff. Um, so, I mean, there's not that many booths left. They kind of are on, they both, you know, are doing the license thing, because that's what's going to get eyes at comic-con and hopefully they will convert a few of those people did you mule for people this year i did yeah was it Uh, easy to get most of the stuff then most things there was one dumpster fire of a release (laughs) literally literally a a dumpster fire fire. so what so why was that so hard to get because was it it i saw some rambling was it picked off just by exhibitors primarily no so i mean so People haven't gotten that one. Hundred um, percent soft released a resin. The, oh, you guys talked about it, I think. Yeah, we yeah, mentioned resin, it. Yeah. Yeah, the resin dumpster fire. Um, what wound up happening is it got picked up by like Nerdist News and a few other like really big websites. So it just made it. You know, the hype on it was just insane. Mm, and there was only fifty um, pieces, I think. Yeah, there's fifty of the one and ten of the other, which I knew right off the bat, like. He is regretting, like, he didn't bring more, make more. Um, but I think what was unfortunate was 
they were basically sold out before the doors opened because they yeah. just exhibitors exhibitors were buying like they they exhibitors were getting them and they were only doing like like twelve a day, one per person. Um, and yeah, I mean it's basically sold out before the doors even open. Yeah, anyone who's and, never been to San Diego, that's exactly what happens. There's there's more exhibitors in there than actual exhibitors. You know, a lot of yeah. the booths end up buying because you can buy extra ex- exhibitor passes. When, when you have the exhibitor yeah. pass, you can get in early. So a lot of the booths are buying their friends extra exhibit badges and stuff. And don't be thinking that, oh, that's unfair, because it's very expensive to buy that extra exhibitor badge. Yeah, they don't get them. You're not getting them for free. No. no they're, they, aren't they double the double cost price. of their ticket? Yeah, so they're about 600 They're like whatever, what I think Comic-Con, like an attendee badge is now like 260 270 So, yeah, it's like 600 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I stopped doing exhibiting maybe four years ago, and they were about running four fifty back then. So I imagine yeah. now they're probably close to six hundred. So someone's paying a large amount of money. But before the doors actually open, what you see in in that hall is a lot of meandering exhibitors, and they're over the intercom. They're exhibitors, get back to your booth. We're going to be opening no. it to the public. No and one gets back to their booth. All, all, no, but all, what happens is all these people that are manding around, they go to a booth and they pretend like they're talking to you. Yeah. And then the second that the floor opens, they run to that booth and you'll see 20 to 40 exhibitors in line and they, buy, and they buy everything up. So yeah. Even though the people upstairs are running on the floor, they're just running as fast as they can to get to it. Outdoor attendees have almost zero chance to get any of these really hyped yeah. releases there. And it's like, and it wasn't until like, I guess I saw that they said it wasn't until like Saturday they decided to then stop selling to exhibitors like for Saturday and Sunday release, which is like, you're already too late. Like that's, you should have been doing that after when you like, you probably should have learned your lesson on Wednesday night and then been like, we're going to either sell only to attendees or I suggested them do a lottery every day for them. And my, the, I got a response that was, well, we want to be fair to everyone. And I kind of was like, um, okay, that's, that's, that's kind of how, what would be fair to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Luckily they're making them more, they're going to be, he's making like a zillion more in other colorways. So it's not the end of the world. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like this is the one done. I think he even said he was going to make them in vinyl. So there's going to be a zillion more dumpster fires that are hopefully less dumpstery. Pretty nice for his first foray into uh, yeah. the toy world, having right, such yeah. a good for him. It was awesome. Yeah, that's great. Huh. It's actually he he actually has a plush out already too. Yeah, um, interesting. They're, they're actually really cute too. Kai, Kaiju kittens, right? Or something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Let's see what else we we posted up to the the group today that we're going to be recording and see if anyone had any questions for you guys. I think we talked on most of this stuff. Thoughts on Hasbro Pulse, big old Transformer? That doesn't. Oh, that big globe-looking thing? I have no clue. I have no clue what he's talking about. I don't know. I saw something like that at Hasbro. I don't know. Not my jam. Um, I haven't. I haven't even seen it. But all I know is let's re-talk about Cookie Monster. Everybody, oh. order Cookie Monster. I when I they had, <laughs> it's not funding very well, is it, George? It is not. There's no uh, way that uh, they had it on display, like a really like a corner display for it at the Hasbro booth, like with a it was like kind of like on a like the stoop of a house. Yeah, I saw photos of it. And, um, and George actually like uh, your friend, your buddy was there, 
And so I said hi. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I just name, I totally just shamelessly name dropped you. And he was like really stoked that you were like talking about it. Uh, well, Billy and I, I used to work with Billy back at McFarland Toys in the old days, so we go way back. I think it was really cool though. I mean, like, I, I, I won't get one, but like seeing it in person, I think it was pretty awesome. Why aren't like Hasbro using a Kickstarter? Why why are these larger scale companies using kind of doing their own pre order system? It seems like it was successful for Super Seven with the Snake Mountain, but something like Hasbro seems to be really struggling with the cookie, into- with the Cookie Monster. Do you think it would have fared better had they gone with a more well known crowdfunding situation? I think it would get shunned because it's technically for like independence. Yeah, but, is that like, true, that George? Has- I don't know. Like, who says Kickstarter's for independence? Uh, to get your, like, because it's, like, to get funding. Like, in a way, it's, like, Hasbro, you don't need, like, you don't need the money to do it. Like, you could just do it if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it's true. But it's one of those things, like, if it's not, if it won't happen because enough people don't see their site, like, yeah. remember that day we were talking about it on this podcast, I couldn't even find it on the site. I had to go back to Gary's link he sent me to find it. <laughs> like I couldn't like they're not making it easy to pre-order. No, they're yeah. they that they I from some other things I've been close contact with like Hasbro's like the way they like do their PR for things of like their own things is pretty bad. Like they almost like sometimes just release it to those like generic PR sites and that's it. I'm wor- I'm worried about it. I don't think it's going to work, but I I really want it. So how did their pre their pre-order system work towards? Did they charge your card or is it just like Kickstarter where you don't get charged until it fully funds? Uh well, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't look at how, how do you not know? That's like a three hundred, maybe four hundred dollar item after shipping. I put my card number in. I don't I think it was charged. Okay. And so if it maybe doesn't they'll give it back if it doesn't work. See that that's the one reason why I like Kickstarter. Like you don't have to go through that that process of not knowing if you're going to get refunded or not. I mean, how close is it to funding? I mean, last time I looked, which was like a week and a half ago, it wasn't, it was, it was not very many people. <laughs> Let's look at it. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Let's see if I can even right. find it without going through. Yeah, our I'm talking DMs. Hasbro Pulse. That's the key. Hasbro Pulse Cookie Monster. Pre-order. Oh, yeah. Not doing well at all. <laughs> Funding ends in 24 days. It oh, out of th- a target of 3,000 orders, they've only had 392 backers. That is not much at all. Mm-hmm. And it's cheaper than I was expecting. It was 2.99 plus shipping. Yeah, that seems I mean, very it's a really reasonable. great price. Like that's a that's an amazing price for the size figure that it is. Yeah, and it's a figure. It's not just like a plush toy that just is a lump. Yeah, it's got an armature. Like, sure, sure. Yeah, it's really good. I like how in the description there's an asterisk and it says limit five per transaction. Like They thought this thing was going to be super hot and people were going to be buying uh-huh. 40, 40 of these things. Uh-huh. Now, uh, bummer. Well, maybe men- men- us mentioning it will help them get one more backer. Well, I hope so. I, I think people should get it. I want it next to my Gonzo. How is the this Transformer one that someone was talking about? Let's all look it up. That's uh, right next to it. Um, it is, they're made, what is it? They got about 2,000 out of the 8,000 backers they need. 8,000 backers? 
That seems they, ridiculous. They got 30 days to go. What's the, almost a $600 item. What is it, the Unicron that we're looking at? Yeah. Holy cow. Oh, and before I forget, Teresa says hi. She was messaging me about something. She just had to be on the show. I feel yeah. bad. I haven't talked to her in a while. Need to reconnect. She should be back next week if we're going to record next week. This thing is nuts. It doesn't even look like a Transformer to me. Well, it's Unicron. He's a planet. I've never heard of him. <laughs> Does this thing actually transform? I think so. It yeah, right. Look, there's the planet huh, version right you know, there. There it is. Interesting. Giant planet transforms. That's pretty cool. So speaking of pretty cool, and this this is kind of continues to the theme that I was talking about earlier with things that are kind of hard to find information on and all that sort of stuff. Unboxing Industries has been doing this series called Who Goes There? And they've been doing leaks, well, sneak peeks of a Series 2 coming up. And I don't think many people are even familiar with Series 1. Well, apparently it's a blind box series. It, I, I, from what I've heard, it seems like it did extremely well. A series 2 is in the works. It, you guys know what I'm even talking about. Is that different than the other miniseries that you guys talk about? Uh, oh, the Unboxing Friends. Ah. No, no, no. That one's actually that one's being going to be seeing a series two as well. They've been showing sketches that Nathan Pong has been doing. He's the guy that it's a it's an entire blind box series, but one artist reimagines the characters from a different a bunch of different other artists. So they've been showing some sketches from Retro Band and Kenny Wong and Scott Tollison and. Pete Fowler Snorch is going to be a part of that series. And again, it looks like it's going to be another sitting series. But no, that series is kind of very cute, very Teresa. The one that I'm talking about, who goes there? It's very grotesque. It's um, from what I've from the few that I've seen, they're like unpainted for the most part. Um, but yeah, I don't. There's just not that much information out there. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where they've been sold. I don't think stores are carrying them. It's primarily sold over in Asia. But I just wanted to see if you guys followed this at all and knew any more information on it. I don't. I don't follow them that closely. It was funny though. Unre- totally unrelated. But I was on my scrolling through my Facebook feed like a couple weeks ago, and uh, since I follow the musician Iggy Pop, I saw like something like a statue of him and it said unbox and I had to like do a double take. So I thought it was pretty cool. They wound up unbox produced an Iggy pop statue. Did not get it, but it was cool. <laughs> they're doing lots of stuff. But yeah. They're, that was a pretty unexpected one. If you're not following them on social media, it's really hard to, and I am following them, but I guess I'm not checking my feed enough. I'm not, I'm missing out on a lot of stuff that they're releasing. So. Yeah. Oh, unbox, unbox made that Krang run the jewels figure. Yeah, they did that too. That thing's awesome. I saw that at that show. Is there any information about that Who Goes There series? There's a little write-up about who's in it. Like it's on it their looks like they've got, It looks like they have Unboxed Japan as a, another like a Instagram page of theirs, so maybe there's something on there. See, this is one of those things where you have to be a super fan to understand what this is and what's going on. Um, I've seen unboxing videos, and the sculpts are just crazy stuff. Well, it says there's four artists for this series. David Orshowski, Retro Band, The Last Zectron, and Biosword. And it says all of them are marble, glow-in-the-dark, glitter, vinyl, unpainted. I don't know. It looks like a cool miniseries. They're thirteen fifty. What do you want to know? Where are you finding this? Are they available, George? It says add to cart right on their site. I don't know. Oh. I'm on their site. Okay, yeah. 
There you go. Who go yeah, so go to unbox store.unboxindustries.info slash product slash who dash one. That is a terrible link, George. Why can't it just be unbox.com? It's like this store.unboxindustries. Like, this is why it's hard to find info. <laughs> like, how in the world did you find that? Uh, I just I just went to Google and typed in unbox who goes there. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Okay, there they are. Yeah, oh. I like the box. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the box it has like the kind of like the the, peak, the peeper eyes that you pull. The... Yeah. So yeah, there's apparently there's a season two or a series two of this coming out, and I don't know if it's new sculptors or new. I imagine it's new designs, but I don't know if it's the same guys. Well, that is a terrible plug. I am sorry. I mean, a plug is better than we. None of us even knew about it yesterday, so. There we go. Did you guys plug. scroll? You guys scroll down and see the designs. Yeah, they're crazy. Pretty cool, right? These are anti-Teresa. These are everything Teresa would never buy. <laughs> Good. That's why we called this the the Marsham. Was it the Marsham Blood and Guts Hour? Yeah. This exactly. is this is the anti-Teresa. We talked about a Slayer bloody figure. We got these bloody marbled weird sculpts. This is the anti-Teresa episode. Look at this maybe, one with the head Teresa, and the wheels. Maybe Teresa's just like a closet Slayer fan. Yeah, no, no, no that chance. That would just be awesome. No chance. She's not going to re-listen to this anyway, so we can say no. anything we want. She only listens to the episode she's on. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> what else is in this group that people are asking me to talk about Hasbro Pulse yeah I think we pretty much covered it you know George sure. something I want to mention to you George something I, you sent me the uh, the Ragnar Pepper that you sculpted for 3D Retro and you sent me one as a, as a gift it was very nice of you but I took that out I took it to work today and I set it up that piece is so freaking good like it's just a beautiful design like usually i don't like toys that have a base it has a a really cool retro design base with a you know the, the figure attaches magnetically so you can have it with the figure without the base but george that is a fantastic toy and i don't think it did as well as it should have oh that toy did that toy bomb that toy did nothing <laughs> well i love it and i want to help promote it now like where can people still buy that is it on 3d retro I, I have no idea. They, I, I'm, they. I would imagine they do. I don't even. I would. I don't think it's sold out. It was a long time ago. That figure's old. Um, let's see if 3D Retro's got it on their site. Uh, search, Ragnar. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> there is a. There is a Ragnar Pepper Olive Green on their site, so you can get one version on their site. And it says image coming soon. The other... But if you click on it, the image is there. I don't know why it's not. <laughs> and that's my least favorite one, too, the green one. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. I, I saw all four of them, and it's probably the weakest of the four, but it's still a good figure. It's just, it's, I don't know, something about the green is not as strong as the other designs. Like The one I took to work was the red and black one with the axe. That one's just striking. Really nice, so... Anyways, I know it's an older figure. It's probably like eight or ten years old now, but I at least wanted to talk about it and you know help someone who maybe missed out on it go you know search it and pick it up. Um, well, you can at least get the green one. You can get the green one. I mean, it's still good. I don't know why they posed it like that in the picture. He's supposed to have his arms up holding the money bags. Um, it's a strange picture. 
It's not not the best picture of it, but I mean, it gives you an idea. Yeah, each guy is a different color. They each have a different um, set of hands, and they each have a different skull on their hat. Yeah, the hat detachables. It reveals a creepy looking one eyed, you know, head on the inside. I love yep. I love the the base, and you can move. You can place. It's a pretty big base, and you can because it's magnetic. You can slide the guy around and place him wherever you want. I have mine, you know, off to the right. Looks really cool like that. But yeah, it's a great figure. I, I don't think it's magnetic. No, it's mag- dude. There's something going on, and it holds it in place. That guy is like top heavy, and yet when you when yeah, you put him on the base, he has a little snap to it. I don't think so. I think so. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago. I could I could be remembering incorrectly, but I don't remember ever putting a magnet in it. I, am I am I misquoting it? No, I think it's magnetic, dude. I don't think so. I'm gonna say no in case someone buys it because of magnets. This is the terrible Martian plug hour. We are doing a horrible job of promoting things. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Okay. Scott, thanks for joining, man. I know you had to go to work oh. early to get in an hour and a half and two hours of, of LA traffic to come join us on time, but I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. I know I'm home. Probably it's about the time I get home normally. So. Okay. Well, anyways, thanks. So why don't each of you take a brief moment and let our listeners know where they can find you. Scott, go first. Um... You can find me in various uh, toy circles on Facebook land with under my name. That's good. It's good enough. You want to say your name? Oh, Scott Catler. <laughs> Spelt with a K, K-A-T-L-E-R. K-A-T-L-E-R. Those that need to find me know where to find me. Yep. And I love your posts. You, when you post it on Facebook, you mentioned like how much this community means to you because you went to San Diego and just how great it is seeing everyone and just having all the friends and then you're in some of the Facebook groups. I saw a really great post you did about shelving, letting people know how what shelving out there to where you can hire and lower the shelves, how you can just, it was just an entire thread about shelving units for your collections and how you can adjust yeah. shelves. That's a great thread. Yeah. I hope it keeps on going. Cause I realize people even still are like, someone asked like, where do I buy a Del- Delta from? I'm like, Oh yeah, this needs to be laid out. Which group was that one in again? Kid Robot by Sale Trade, okay. and it's pinned in the announcements. And so it's like it's just like gonna be like an ongoing thing. So anyone can post like a, you know, their whatever maybe what they use or the hack if they've got like, oh I bought a Delta and I but I did this to like the legs or something mm-hmm. like you know the base to make it better, like just a, just one area where people can get all the information and make their stuff look nicer. No, it was a cool thread I was going through. It. I mean, it's ninety percent IKEA stuff, but it's still really cool to yeah. see what you know the hacks that people had. Okay. George, where can people find you? You can find me at Double G Toys. And also, we didn't mention earlier, but you should also go to the Store Horseman and pick up that Mythic Legion set that we were talking about during G-Con. Uh, it's a pre-order right now for the new set. It's the Aerithier set of Mythic Legion figures. And uh, the all-in price is 410 for, like, I don't even know how many figures. A ton. And what was the like link again? Nine. Store Horseman? Yeah, Store Horseman. Huh. That's pretty creative. I like it. Uh, just go to Store Horseman, and you can either buy anything separately, or if you want to pre-order the whole set, it's up there. It's available. But yeah, these figures are amazing. If you haven't seen them, go check out my Instagram, or go check out Store Horseman's or Four Horseman's Instagram, and uh, look at all these pictures because the stuff's really cool. Very cool. Okay, I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We're going to try to do better about bringing this to you 
not weekly, maybe bi-weekly. I don't know. I'll see how it goes. <laughs> whenever, we do this whenever we want to, and you'll have to enjoy it that way. <laughs> and Gary, you owe the pot $5 since you're the only one that's screwed up. Well, okay. I'll split it up between you guys, 250 each. Woo! Now you should send it to Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. <laughs>